Warroom the Hockey Podcast, episode 35 uh, this week. Evan Rauer here uh, with War Room. Um, not many specific headlines to touch on this week. Um, a lot of it is covered in the meat of the episode and the meat of the next couple episodes, these next couple weeks. So uh, not many headlines to kick off this week, but we will at least um, give a shout-out, if you will, and at least... Um, a ploy for you guys to um, act and participate. Again, we say it every week, but um, Warm the Hockey Podcast on Facebook, at Warm the Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at War Hockey on Twitter. Please go like and follow. Uh, make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review, um, and as well as share with uh, family and friends. Um, help the show uh, continue to grow. It is greatly appreciated. This week we are covering um, WHL, BCHL, NHL, um, touching briefly, very briefly, on NCAA uh, rankings, standings, um, how we see uh, predictions on how we see uh, the standings finishing the year based on where they are now. And um, so, yep, settle in. Episode 35 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Evan Rauer with you. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, and we hope you enjoy uh, this week's episode. Here we go. War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Uh, Presented by Northpaw Media, brought to you by Breakaway Brewing, and Ryan Walter at RyanWalter.com. Ryan Walter is a leadership guru, if you will, former NHL player. Um, now he leads leadership retreats in the BC area, as well as traveling around to sports teams and CEOs, um, coaching and teaching proper leadership and the leaders of tomorrow, basically. Um as well as Breakaway Brewing in the Okanagan Valley and downtown Summerland. If you're ever in, in the Okanagan Valley and come through Summerland, uh, check it out on Victoria Road, the, f- the finest in handcrafted uh, craft beer, as well as our friends Je- Jeff McCallum at ABK, ABK Restoration. You want things fixed and fixed right, you go with ABK. Um, one thing we f- I forgot to mention in the intro, when we did the intro, um, Happy to hear that TJ Brody is doing okay. Yeah, no kidding. That was scary. And I doesn't it doesn't appear I that just seems like it was a complete anomaly. Like even low blood sugar or something like that. He just he was complaining of not feeling well and he just dropped at practice and the Flames medical staff was on him in seconds and he went home, he went to hospital, he's fine. Don't know when he's gonna return yet, do you? Have you heard when he's gonna be back? No, but he's not on the road trip. They're traveling to Arizona and on a road trip, and he's not on the road trip. So Scary deal. Until they find out why that happened, I guess, you know, precaution is uh, is the best thing he's got going for him right now. So come back soon, kid. Yep. Yeah, speaking of the Flames, <clears throat> you follow this story of Justin Dowling last week? Kid from Cochrane, uh, Alberta. Not closely, unfortunately, but I did... Um, he's, uh, here he scored his first NHL goal against the Flames. Stars yep. are playing the Flames. Dallas um, was in Calgary. He's from Cochrane, which is just over the hill, yep. so basically a suburb. Uh, scored his first goal in the NHL at 29 years old. This is a guy that's been duking it out in the minor leagues for years. I mean, this is probably he's he's been 10 years trying to scratch his way to, to the NHL, and good on him. He makes it. He scores his first NHL goal at the age of 29 in front of his hometown crowd. And his mom, Sherry, was at the game, but she was in line getting a drink when he scored. So, Remind you of anybody? 
<laughs> no, I don't mean personally, but it, remind, it rem, does it remind you of um, Mitch Marner's first goal and his mom was in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you see, wait 10 years for her son to make it to the show and score his first NHL goal. He does it at home in front of everybody, and she's off getting a cocktail. It's <laughs> awesome. What a great story. And it didn't it didn't phase him at all. He said, yeah, that just sounds like somebody in our family. That's no big deal. <laughs> oh, good for him. Yep. Good for him. And, I, you know, it brings it, it kind of uh, segues to something that I think we're going to have a, see a little bit more of on the show here in, uh, in the future is the relationship between beer and hockey. As, as I talked about last week when we signed off, uh, it's just they're, they are forever joined at the hip. It's an unbreakable bond between beer and hockey, and, uh, and it runs, it, it's been going for 100 years uh, since the Molsons and the O'Keefe's and everybody owned NHL franchises in the original six days, uh, and it's, it's in every dressing room, and it's on every bus, but the relationship between beer and hockey is something that I think it really is sometimes underappreciated. Anyway, more on that one of these days. Well, we, yeah, we can touch on that a bit coming up. But I just I, I do want to say one thing. It pains me to say it as an Avalanche fan. But McDavid and Drysaddle had themselves a night the other oh, night. Oh, brother. They had a they had a month against the Avalanche. They, and it's nothing. Eleven points between the two of them. I love Adam Werner. You know, I think he's a goaltender. If he develops the right way, he's the goaltender of the future for for Colorado. Um, but but and I, I say this no I say that knowing very well that none of the goals that went in were his fault. No, it doesn't. Nothing matter was his fault. No. You can be a f- second game rookie, or you can be eighteen years in. It's not those goals weren't his fault, but. A rough night all around for the Avs that the other the other night against Edmonton. Join and the club, hey! Join the club. I but mean, those the, guys are torching the question, everyone. The question I have, though, again, it shined through, you know. And I want to create the questions that people have been asking about Colorado for years, and that is, Drysdale and McDavid were in on every goal that night. Yep. Cassian scored one. But aside aside from that, who who do they have outside of McDavid and Drysaddle that could carry the depth of things? James Neal's off to a hot start. Um, we've discussed this before, but I just it it's a question that came up during that game. Is yep. you know at uh, what at what point do they ha- do they have the secondary scoring and the depth that I think Colorado has now after this past off season that can can surround McDavid and Drysaddle to where they don't have to take the brunt of the ice time every night and and well, the other team's top pair and all these things it clearly they're producing the same way that Avs top line did last year but that only goes so long before it starts to well somebody gets hurt you're in trouble uh somebody goes cold which can happen you're in trouble these are two two extraordinary players and as long as the team is winning it's all good they get uh, they'll get a little scoring out of uh, Nuge and from James Neal and you know on up and down that roster I suppose there will be the odd chip in but this is a little bit like I was I, I've talked about for ten years Alex Ovechkin if he scores fifty goals he'll score forty four of them from the top of that left faceoff circle on a one timer just stand next to him and you shut him down yep. oh okay. Nobody's ever figured out how to do that in in his entire career. 
He scored, what, six, over 600 goals now. Nobody can stop him. And these guys, you know who you got to shut down. But there was one thing that I saw on the, uh, in particular with the Avalanche game that happens with every team every night. If you crowd, especially McDavid, if you crowd him, he can step around you. And it doesn't matter who you are. But if you can give him space. If you give him space. And uh, one of Nugent Hopkins' goals the other night was a prime example of that. Abs Demon back up from the blue line, giving right. McDavid space, don't want to get beat. And it left the slot wide open for a drop pass to Nuge and a top corner top corner pick. So it's right now, just because of his lateral mobility and his straight ahead speed and his puck skill. There is just no way to shut the kid down, and I'm talking about McDavid. And and to Drysidle's credit, he's figured out how to play with McDavid, which is not easy to do at that speed. You, it is not like you don't you don't just say, well, I'll throw him on Crosby's line, he'll be fine. No, you. Not everybody can think and position themselves in order to play with a McDavid or a Crosby or a McKinnon. It just doesn't work that way. Well, the other night saw. An- arguably saw a matchup between the top two players in the game today, McKinnon and McDavid. And the debate can be had about which one you want to put first or whether whether or not until he retires, Crosby will always have that crown. But arguably the top two players in the game today was McDavid and and McKinnon. they are the two guys that I've, and that I've just found the, can't. They, yeah. Nobody can figure out how to stop. And I found it interesting, and then we can uh, get off this and move forward. But I found it interesting. Um, I think it was during the broadcast of that game the other night. Um, McDavid didn't watch the playoffs last year. <laughs> right, I heard that. Um, yeah, but he's he said McKinnon was the player that gave him a reason to watch. Right. That even though he's sitting at home, he has so much respect, and this is arguably the best player in the game today. Yep. Having this much respect for McKinnon, that even though he's sitting at home, not in the playoffs, not playing, that he has so much respect for McKinnon that McKinnon is who he watches because he is that dynamic and that good of a player. I found that to be That's, pretty cool and, and pretty interesting. Well, and you know, you complain a lot about the lack of of credit and coverage that the avalanche get because they're not on either coast and they're you know they're in an area that doesn't doesn't get all of the attention that it deserves but in the last couple of weeks and even into the end of last season i am just i'm seeing mckinnon every single night people are just raving about this kid as they should but don't be uh don't feel too slighted because he is getting he is being mentioned as you said in the same sentence with McDavid which yeah. is about as that's as good as you can get. Every team needs a Matt Calvert though. Oh. I love Matt Calvert. Yeah. And every team needs him. Cassian lays out McKinnon. Yep. And Calvert. Did, did you, went you right saw at that? Him. Yes. Um I won't ask you what you thought of the hit because that would that would create the context that it was a bad hit. <laughs> And it was a clean hockey hit. I thought it was, it was perfectly I thought fine. it was a good hockey hit. Yep. But Calvert, who who gets up probably 80 pounds and a foot and a half to Cassian, yeah. no hesitation right there. Right at him. Because of that. And I, I saw that and I thought, you know what? That is what Toronto is missing. Yes, it is. That your star can get hit, clean or not, and there can be enough emotion and enough camaraderie 
and team chemistry that no matter the size, no matter anything like that, that a gritty player can go, that ain't happening without you answering to for it. And, and Calvert may have gotten his ass kicked, but he, but st- he answered. But he answered and he stood up to it. And, right. and it let McKinnon know that, you know what, I can go out and I can play my game without one having to worry about answering it myself, which could cause injury to me even more. But also, wow, okay, he's got my back. So now, so now, I can carry the puck through the zone, and they and anybody can know whether it's Tom Wilson or Matt Calvert that you you touch me, you're answering for it. Exactly right. And I, and if Landeskog's in the lineup, you know he's doing the same thing Calvert did. I mean, and that's and I saw that, and I just based on past conversations we've had, I immediately thought this right here is what you don't see with the Leafs. Well, it, that's. That's exactly what you don't see with the Leafs. And touching on that, they are now out of the playoffs as of this recording. They are not in a playoff position. And the rest of their division has about three or four games in hand on them. So they are way down the list looking up. Um, They do not have that in their lineup. They don't have any place to go get that in their lineup because there isn't anybody in the Marlies they can bring up. And they are absolutely against the cap. So in... It, within the context of the Leafs, they are going out as of right now. They start in Pittsburgh uh, on, like, I think they play six games on the road uh, and eight out of the next 12 or something on the road. They have won twice in regulation in the last 14 games. Yeah, they're in Pittsburgh tonight. And as of this recording, they are in, as of as of the day that we are recording this, I mean, yes. they are in they are in Pittsburgh tonight and they do not have it and this road trip they will either run off five out of six or they'll be out of the playoffs and they'll be out of the playoffs permanently this is not a team forget st louis last year that was a one-off when and and we we can spend a little more time on this in a bit but they're they're going to be out of the playoffs at by the end of november and they will not get back in they they're banged up they're missing as of right now. They're missing Kerfoot, Marner, and Trevor Moore. Well, Morgan American Riley Thanksgiving is, is usually the kind of that's the cutoff. first initial cutoff of of if you're there, then you're there. If you're not, then you're not. That's right. And a very small percentage of teams go into or out of the playoffs after American Thanksgiving. So where you are here in the next week or two is going to be critical. To I mean, you you're gonna. A, long road ahead of you if you're out and you need to just continue to stay the course if you're in but that's going to be troubling the um on the before i forget on the subject of like you got mcdavid and dry and and you got some duos in the league that are really really hard to play against how would you like to be writing checks right now and i love both of these guys i absolutely support them i would take either of them on my team every day how would you like to be paying Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan $19 million a year combined? And as of this recording, I think they have four goals between them. Now, granted, the team has started playing better. They've got themselves into pretty good position, which is the main thing. But And, and I guess if your glass is half full, we're, we're competing for a playoff spot right now, and our two big guns are silent. So... That's just a that's something to watch for is if those guys get heated up, wow, 
I mean, that's going to be a really, really good team. They're going to achieve to the level that everybody thought. If they don't and the team starts to flounder, is somebody going to be trying to peddle them? What, you know, what, what's going to happen with these guys? I don't see that, but boy, oh boy. And, I, and listen, by nature, goal scorers are streaky. Only, only a handful of goal scorers in history ever went, ever really went through their career without cold streaks. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. Well, before, as we transition here, I, wanted to, I do want to touch um, on the Canada-Russia series. Um, yes. In the WHL, yes, yes, yes. I do want to touch on things in the BCHL, um, but I do want to I do want to touch on uh, due to the injuries because it's kind of been the focal point of conversation in the past couple minutes. Um, I do want to at least report a little bit on a rumor, um, some rumors going around um, due to the injuries, uh, the tra- the blockbuster trade rumors circulating, circ- circulating, excuse me, uh, Colorado. They're in on, uh, reportedly, they're in on Tyler Toffoli and Alec Martinez in L.A. They're in on Cam Atkinson from Columbus, and they're in on Mantha from Detroit. Now, the rumor is that it would be their first-round pick in 2020 and some combination of a prospect or two um, to, to pull... To pull some combination of that off with either Mantha or Atkinson or whatever, but that's at least the rumor um, due to the injuries. Um, now, from from a quick perspective, and, and then I really do want to move forward um, and not dwell on this too much. But from a perspective of of the off season you had in Colorado, if I'm Sackick, I'm careful making any trades, yep. simply because the moves you made in the off season to get the depth you had was for a reason. And now all of a sudden you have some injuries and you make a trade that kind of undermines the whole purpose of adding the depth and the secondary scoring that you have added. It undermines it basically saying, I don't trust my own moves here. So I'm going to go out and so I don't know how much I buy it or, or whatever. And if it happens, then I think it's a mistake, but that's at least the rumor circulating right now because Landis is still out with indefinitely. There's no update there. Rantanen is skating, um, but there's no update on how close he is, though. Because skating could mean on his own. It could mean any number of things. Um, Zadorov should be back soon, um, and Grubauer's been skating. But again, no update there on what what his timeline is. So anywhere between the next couple of days and six more weeks before things start getting healthy. Um, so... I, I, I just think it would undermine things if you if you made those I, kind of deals. It would shock me if they did it. Number one, it would surprise me if Columbus in the state that they're in let go of Cam Atkinson. Likewise, Anthony Mantha and Detroit. Well, Mantha, both of Mantha and Larkin are, are kind of their two guys for the future in Detroit. As is Atkinson. I mean, Atkinson's older. Atkinson's 30, but I mean. But still, these are teams that are struggling to to compete every night and and not succeeding at it very well and to give away a pillar like mantha or even a guy like atkinson who can go he can you know he's a finisher that's all he's just a good finisher that would that would surprise me now to foley leaving la would probably not be that big of a shock i think they're going to have their they're doing a quiet rebuild in la uh, although they're stuck with some real white elephant contracts. Well, they're trying but to do anyway. it quietly, but I think they're going to have to blow it up and make it more known before really they see real progress with they, things. Because it, 
it's very rare to see a quiet rebuild. Who re- <laughs> who recently has done a quiet rebuild that has been successful that that you you can say you didn't really know that they rebuilt until all of a sudden they start winning? I mean, anybody come to mind? Uh, not really. I mean, it, it it's it's really hard to take a franchise that two years ago you thought was really sliding into into the doldrums and now all of a sudden they're pretty darn good but uh, where do you turn i mean maybe calgary uh i don't know no it's it usually oh yeah calgary, makes a I guess lot of noise. was kind of quiet calgary kind of was they changed uh, their coach and and changed some things with the culture and then that kind of helped turn things but i the mean the blackhawks maybe uh the, you know that's it it's difficult though i mean you you still have to the rebuild still has to come from somewhere yep. and if it doesn't come from a blockbuster like a Tavares signing or something like that then it it has to come from within you have to have guys step out of the minor leagues or or out of the draft and start playing a real significant role so it's difficult yep. but that would shock me well, Canada-Russia series is over. Boy, was that WHL fun. claimed it. They won the, the 2019 CIBC Canada-Russia series. We touched on it the other day when we saw Kelowna play Victoria, uh, how kind of off Nolan Foote looked. Yeah. Well, in the conclusion of the w- WHL, uh, in the, excuse me, in the 2019 CIBC Canada-Russia series, uh, he had two goals in regulation. And then he scored twice in a shootout to help claim it. Um, So he, what that shows me in a showcase like this is that Nolan Foote in that game against Victoria was just having an off night. It was a bad night, yeah. And he, look, he he wins a lot of face-offs. He's a rock-solid kid. Will he translate, based on his speed and skill, will he translate to a dominant front-line center uh, in the NHL? Maybe, maybe not, but minimum, this is, you know who he reminds me of at this point? He reminds me of Paul Stastny. A little bit. He can score. He's a clutch player. He's got certainly enough skill to get by uh, and rock solid in in the intangible parts of the game, the things that don't show up on the score sheet. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's where he's going to end up is going to be a really good second liner or you know, things don't go well for him, a third liner, but he's, he reminds me of a 19 year old Stastny, but he, he did step up, which is one of those clutch things. It's yep. just as did Bowen Byram in the first game against the WHL uh, against Russia. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm sorry. Against Russia. Uh, gosh, uh, goaltender out. They were down one, nothing. Byram scores with an empty net and then, assists on the uh, on the Addison goal in overtime to win it. Dylan Cu- Dylan Cousins leading the way in the WHL with 30 points. Yeah. Uh, so he's really stepping into th- into his own a little bit. Um, well, he's tied w- w- with the lead with two others, uh, Connor Zary from Kamloops. Who had a great series also. And, Zary uh, played really well against Russia. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Alexei? Alexei? Protoss from Prince Albert uh, has 30 points as well. Uh, again, my apologies if I'm butchering that, um, and I most likely am. Um, but I do want to touch real quick, since we kind of discussed before um, hit, and, hit and record, we do want to touch on a little bit on standings. Um, yes. Can I, f- before we talk about um, who's leading the charge, can I just 
Can I just talk about who's in last? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poor Regina has two wins Ugh. in 16 games. There are two 12 and two with six points. Swift Current is three and 11 and one, three 11 and one with nine points. And Prince George is four and 14. The in Seattle is five and nine, but um, but but I am happy to see that um, Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Ice, have kind of turned it around a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, and they just they're got, sitting in the middle middle pack right now, but they they've turned it around a little bit. So they just got Peyton Krebs back. Oh, he is back. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. So, but they're done with uh, Savoy. I think he's played his five games, Matt Savoy. Um, and good for them. They're going to be competitive. And with Krebs back in the lineup now, they're going to be. Uh, he's he's a big time player. He's going to help a lot, uh, just because of his age and leadership and and just all around ability. Real real good solid player. How about Edmonton? Wow, leading the just WHL juggernaut right now, number one. Yeah, um, and then uh, they're right there with um, Edmonton is just right ahead of Lethbridge and Prince Albert for. Who, who are both playing very, very well. And so is Kamloops. Kamloops is first place in the BC division. Yep. They're playing some good hockey. Vancouver is sturdy. And when they, I mean, these are teams that, like in Vancouver's case, they've been getting by without Bowen Bo Byram for mm -hmm. uh, a bit. Uh, the Rockets were without Foot and Corsac. Uh, and yep. the Corsac kid is really, really a solid player. I really like that guy. I noticed him uh, when when they played Victoria the other night. Uh, that how well how well his game is rounded. He's um, he just looks like somebody that may may make a lot of uh, a lot of people look bad because I don't I don't hear him talked about much. Mm -hmm. Well, is this is, is this where we see the teams finishing? Is this kind of give or take? Uh, one or two jump leapfrogs or this or that is this kind of where we see things ending up yeah there's look as as well as they're playing uh everett and portland in the u.s division kamloops and the giants in bc uh, edmonton lethbridge and central edmonton and lethbridge and you prince know still albert, Saskatchewan, prince albert and saskatoon in the um east division are your top two there so yeah and i think i think winnipeg could certainly get on a run and make uh, make noise in in that eastern division but uh, yeah Cal calgary and moose jaw look good uh in the eastern conference wild card race and and i think this is you're seeing as you mentioned with regina and swift um and red deer uh, you're just you're seeing where these teams I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna turn it around from three or four wins at this point and make a run um it goes to show, too, how critically important it is to draft in junior hockey. If you're and you're you're picking kids that are 14, right? You're 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 trying to project a 14 year old coming out of the Bantam draft into what's he going to look like at 18 or 19 on my team. And it, it's impossible. I mean, these are kids that are only a few years removed from SpongeBob, and you're looking at this kid wanting to know how is he going to play against grown men in five years. Uh, it, 
it's such an inexact science. And the, but the teams that get it right, you look at these, uh, look at the teams that we just talked about that are playing really well, mm-hmm. and they've got NHL draft picks all over their roster. Oh yeah, all of them do, and that and that just goes to your scouts, your junior scouts, doing their job, scrubbing those, uh, scrubbing those rinks for bantams and midgets to, you know, I, it's just a there is and there's no analytics to it. You've got to have some guy who's willing to spend every Friday and Saturday night in a cold rink someplace watching teenagers play hockey, mm-hmm. adolescents for that matter. So, oh, how about Medicine Hat? Can they can they be there at the end, at the end of the year? They're uh, thirteen and six right now, twenty nine points, uh, just one. Sorry, looking at the wrong team. They're yeah thirteen six and one twenty seven points. Excuse me, and they are three points back of Edmonton. Um, in that central division, they absolutely can. They are doing it without. Uh, I mean, Ryan Chisowski is the um, is the and Cole Sillinger, I guess, uh, both on that team that are really um, really playing well. But they're doing it with just a lot of great team play. The only problem in Medicine Hat is who they have to play every night. They're in the same division as some really good teams. They've got to they got to play Edmonton. Uh, I don't know how many more times they have to play Edmonton this year, but they just their schedule makes them. They're going to be battle tested for sure. As of as of right as of yet, as of we as we speak right now, is um, Kelowna will be there because they're the hosts. But do do they compete at the Memorial Cup based on how you're seeing things right now? You know, it's it's early. There's still a number of games left, obviously, in the season in the regular season before you even get to the playoffs and then the Memorial Cup, but. Um, based on things now, um, changes still to come, I'm sure. But based on things now, do they compete? Answer a question with a question: Is their goaltending good enough? Based on what we saw against Victoria, no. Yeah, that's exactly my my concern. Because we were sitting there, we were sitting there uh, live at that game, and we looked behind up behind us at the <laughs> shot clock and there was i think nine total shots between both teams right and it and was there, and it was three or and it was three two, <laughs> three, two or three yeah. or something like that so it, so neither goaltender that game had their best stuff no. on either side but um Kelowna really struggled in the net in net that night um but the question, same with Nolan Foot, though, is that an anomaly? Was that an off night, or exactly. was that, or was that um, something that is more consistent of what their goaltending looks like? Well, I would sure hope that three goals on five shots is a freak, um, because otherwise you're looking at making another move before long. But they're if they if they get solid goaltending, they absolutely can compete. They're they're coming around I think by the end of the year they're going to be able to uh, they're going to be able to compete but Schwebus played better though that at least that night he looked better than um, he did than Basrin yeah uh, and and you know I don't know who's going to be getting all the starts uh, Basrin is the older of the two uh, but we'll see I the, the trouble is they are they're just going to have my gosh they're some of the some of the talent in uh, in the CHL that they're going to be running up against in that when they get to the cup, oh my gosh, Schwebus is actually the older one. Oh, he is. I thought it was the other way around. They're both born in two thousand one, um, so it's not by much. But Schwebus is born in April, 
and Bosrin was born in July. Oh, okay, okay. Because um, they were both drafted um, 2016, um, Bosrin by by Kelowna in round three, uh, Schwebus by Seattle in round 10. Okay. In 2016. Um, so, it, again, it's... A couple months to the point of being insignificant to really even mention, but Schwebus is the older one. So, but there, when you get to when you get to the end of the year and you've got to go into that four team, uh, you got to go into that four team playoff for the Memorial Cup. You're just, I mean, you're looking at probably what maybe Oshawa, uh, Peterborough coming out of the uh, Ontario League. Um, Wow, I'm, and well, now that you mention that, I'm curious to to look at the standings from and, the other. And in the in the dub, you're going to have to, you know, the the dub winner will pick somebody. Edmonton, maybe, uh, maybe Prince Albert, maybe Lethbridge. Oh, my gosh, Sherbrooke in the queue. Sherbrooke uh, is right now just. Let's see, I pulled up the OHL standings right now. Um, Sherbrooke and East, East and Division, East Division, Peterborough, fourteen and five. Um, Central Division, Sudbury is fourteen and eight. Um, Midwest Division, Guelph is ten and four, and in the West Division, Flint is thirteen and six. Um, Sioux, Greyhounds in last in the West with uh, with an eight and twelve record. Kitchener seven and six, they're last in the Midwest. Uh, North Bay. Um, is third ooh North Bay is three and seventeen, and they're last in Central, and Kingston is one and fourteen, and they're last in the East. So, but Peterborough, Oshawa, maybe Ottawa, um, Barrie, um, maybe Owen Sound, uh, Saginaw, maybe Windsor, depending, um, are teams in the OHL that could really that could come out. Maybe London. London's always there. London's the, always tough. Right now they're ten and five, uh, second to last in the Midwest. But you know they're always there. They're always tough. Um, so I just I I can't get past the Sherbrooke uh, Sherbrooke and Moncton in the queue. They've been playing so well uh, for so long that I don't see even a even a Shakutami or somebody like that overtaking them. The point is, at the end of the season. They're gonna. The Rockets are gonna have their work cut out for them, as everybody does. I mean, yep. there's no, no easy waltz through the Memorial Cup, but boy, they're gonna have to play some tough teams, and that's why you've got to have it from everywhere. You got to have not only good goaltending, but you got to have good goaltending at the right time. You've got to have your goal scorers not go cold at the wrong time. It's not just a matter. No matter where you're playing, whatever level you're in, whatever league you're in. It's not a matter of just having the talent. It's having the talent that steps in at the right time. Stay healthy. Don't go cold. Don't go, you know, don't go flat. And it's, I can't so see. That's what, that's what makes it, that's what makes it beautiful. Yeah. I can't see your computer. So I don't know if you're actually looking at the standings or if it was a good guess, but Sherbrooke is 18 and one. Well, there was, I, I saw a they're lot eight, of it. 18, one and two. I mean, they're, Far and away the number one, not far and away. I guess Moncton is seventeen and four with thirty-four points, but Sherbrooke and Moncton are proven to be the cream of the crop in in the queue. So they absolutely are, and and I just there was, you know, I, I pay a lot of I pay a lot more attention to this. I don't I don't as we talked about pre uh, pre show, 
I don't follow the NC2A much, but I, I just love junior hockey, and I'm watching these guys all the time, and they've, they've been ranked uh, in the top five all year. And it doesn't look like they're going at eighteen and one, and 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 Moncton's right with them. It's going to be it's going to be really really difficult. And these are again these are teams that are built around a solid depth of talent. Not you know they don't have the one one or two guys to to rely on. Don't forget too, Kirby Dak is not coming back. He's stuck. He's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He won't be back around. Uh, and so. That's it's probably good for the dub that they don't have to play against him. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, transitioning now we're uh, to the BCHL um, real quick. But before we do that, a little uh, transition here. Uh, NCAA little touch on uh, Minnesota State is your n- number one ranked seed nationally. Oh yeah. Yeah. Minnesota State, uh, Denver at number two, Cornell three, Notre Dame four, uh, UMass, Amherst. Five Duluth, six Clarkson, seven Penn State, eight North Dakota has now cracked the top ten. They're at number nine, and Providence is ten, with Ohio State sitting just on the outside there. Where's DU? Number two. Okay. Um, they've been number one um, recently. Um, Minnesota State jumped from uh, third to first in the rankings. Um, Denver dropped from one to two. So. Little touch on the on NC two uh, A rankings there so far. Um, Chilliwack, since we're transitioning into the BCHL, just had and I touched on this on um, War Room social media um, at War Room the Hockey Podcast on Instagram. Go follow. Um, they just had four NCAA commits just the other night. Who did Chilliwack? Chilliwack, really? Um, and I don't have my phone with me, but I'll um, I'll pull it up here. Um, but yeah, Chilliwack, four guys signed their letters of intent at some special table ceremony for Chilliwack. Wow. Um, well, when we saw them play, remember the, the remarkable thing to us when we saw them play in the showcase was not just that they were good and they could play against anybody, but that they were so young. They are they're easily the youngest team in the league, uh, at least among the competitors. They're a bunch of 17 and 18 year old kids, yeah, you know, and a couple of 16s. Let me pull them up here. Um, I'll I'll pull this up real quick while we continue to discuss BCHL a little bit. Um, Penticton played Wenatchee last night. Uh, that was a game we talked about wanting to see for a while. Yes. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't see it live, but. Um, Penticton pulled out the victory last night. Um, I missed. Uh, I missed seeing. Well, we saw Trail, which is another really, really good team. Um, Trail and Nanaimo both uh, still playing extremely well, and and pulling away in their respective divisions. But um, I just I. Who did we miss seeing when they were in town? Oh, at the festival? Uh, at the No, um, just here in Penticton. We wanted to go see... Salmon Arm. Salmon Arm? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they played last night. Um, played Penticton. Penticton has Wenatchee tonight. Oh, but tonight they, is Wenatchee. Right, tonight's right, Wenatchee. Right. Last night was um, Salmon Arm. And the V's won. And the way Salmon Arm's been playing, that was a game we talked about wanting to see. Yes. Um, V's won. Um, 
So in head-to-head matchup, they're one and one against each other because Salmon Arm took the game in Salmon Arm when they were there. So um, trying to find here um, the BC the commits for Chilliwack here. Let me pull it up. Um, well, as the, the one thing that's the one thing that's fun to see uh, as and I don't I don't need reassurance, but a lot of people do is that the people the the teams that we saw in the showcase at the beginning of the year, the teams that we could identify at that point that were, that we thought were really good are still standing head and shoulders mm-hmm. above the rest. And that's Coquitlam, Chilliwack, Nanaimo, Couchin, uh, the V's trail and salmon arm. Yeah. Jack Agnew, uh, for Chilliwack, uh, committed to be to Boston college. Um, Ethan Bowen, we already knew for North Dakota, Xavier Henry committed to, to Maine, um, Joey Larson, to, uh, we knew about him to Northern Michigan. Arlo Merritt, we knew about him to Ohio State. Cooper Moore to Nor- North Dakota. Um, Nikita Nestorenko to Boston College. Wow. Um, Kyle Penny, we knew about him to Cornell. Peter Reynolds to Boston College. Um, and Hudson Thornton to Minnesota Duluth. So four committed the other night um, uh, together. Uh, not together to the same school, but together in the same, the same ceremony. ceremony thing. Yeah. Um, so, Chilliwack. Um, Look out next year. Coquitlam. Um, Nanaimo, even. Penticton. Uh, Powell River. Uh, Prince George. Trail. Victoria just had their goaltender. Um, Joe Howe commit to Cornell. Um and Wenatchee, those are the teams with the most NC2A commits. So those, so it's uh, increasing. The number, of, if I remember correctly, when we were at the BCHO showcase was so 125, and something like yeah. that out of 300-some kids, and the number just constantly they, I th- I want to say that there's been an additional, since then there's been an additional 30 or 40 kids signed. I'm, sh- I'm sure. I believe. Um but while we're while we're at it, since we're talking on in the WHL on standings a little bit, um, Nimo is seventeen and six in the Island Division, first place. Um, Coquitlam is twenty and five. They're eleven points ahead of Chilliwack, who's second, um, and then Penticton is nineteen and five with, uh, in the Interior Division. So those are your three division leaders. Um, Right now, as it sits, Merritt will be the only team to not make the playoffs um, because every team makes it, right, except for one right now, yeah. at least until, um, until Cranbrook comes Cranbrook in. in. Um, but poor Merritt at 5-14. F- and 14. Um, But the cream of the crop, Penticton and Salmon Arm, Trail is playing good hockey as well. Um, Coquitlam, Chilliwack, Langley is playing decent. They're under 500, but they're they're playing pretty well. And uh, Nanaimo and Cowichan Valley are, are. But as of right now, as uh, the, from the from the original theme, as of right now, you've got a couple of teams in each division that are standing well above everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and after having seen them play, you know where they're going to end up. Uh, I don't. I don't see even where they are right now at uh, at twelve and seven. I don't see Chilliwack being able to stand up to Nanaimo, Coquitlam, and the V's and Salmon Arm this year. But 
look out next year mm-hmm. when the turnover happens. If these guys, Chilliwack could have as many as 14 or 15 guys back next year. And that's going to be, that's almost unheard of. Um, so they're, this is going to be a good year for them to, to gain experience and build, but boy, oh boy, look out for the Chiefs next year. Kent Johnson from Trail, while we talk about it, again, another player of the month um, <laughs> honor there, again. Um, so that's every other month or every yeah. whatever for him. Um, and, and, and that you know what that goes to is his consistency. Mm-hmm. It's not like somebody just gets hot. I mean, you see a Patrick Liney light up for three weeks or something and then go dead. I mean, when you see a, a teenager playing junior A that can put up this consistent of performance, uh, it's it's something fairly rare. Uh, BCHO Board of Governors, I don't know if you noticed this, um, have approved the sale of the West Colon Warriors. Already done. Yep. They've, uh, they've approved that. Yeah, it's uh, already done. They, franchise they, to businessman John Murphy and from, local resident Rod Hume, or or Hume, or however you say his Murphy name. is from Boston, I believe. Um, the two immediately take over operation of the team, yeah. with Murphy serving as the Warriors' governor, and Hume acting as managing partner. Um, let's see. We share a passion for hockey, uh, for developing student-athletes, and for the great community of West Kelowna and the greater Okanagan region. The Warriors have been a successful franchise and best college track junior A league in the country, and we tend to continue this tradition. Um, the past few years have been a period of instability for the franchise, and today that changes. Um, our mission is to consistently compete for cups, to, pr- to provide an environment where young men can develop into college hockey players and be a positive force in the community. Uh, we have a plan, and we can't wait to get started, says Murphy. Um, the new, new ownership will continue to operate the team out of Royal LePage Place in West Kelowna. Yeah, that's, um, I saw, uh, what's today? I, I saw Greg Wilson um, yesterday, I believe, or was it? No, two days ago, saw Greg Wilson for a bit, uh, who I believe is going to come on with us uh, in the next week or two. But uh, we were talking about the sale. It had just happened. And, um, and I'm glad they're staying there because it's a, you know, the town is growing. It's in a great location between Penticton and Vernon. Uh, the, it's kind of a wonky building, but it sounds like these guys are committed and it sounds like, I mean, for the long haul and it's not, and that's what it takes because it's not, not a big money-making proposition at all. Very, very few franchises in junior A make money. But it's a give back. You got to be committed. You got to be in it for the long haul. You have to be able to take the the gains and losses financially, and you have to stay the course because it is, as they said uh, very well in their statement, it is about the kids. It's about developing players and men, and and being uh, a good citizen in a great community. So I, I hope I wish them all the success in the world, just like every other franchise. Agreed. Uh, anything we need to touch on uh, before we kind of close things out this week? Uh, gosh, I think we've, I think we covered it all for now. Um, looking forward to uh, looking forward to Greg Wilson maybe next week, and um, another another great show uh, with all kinds of you know. I don't even we we haven't even really talked about the script for next week, have we? Have nope. we not got anything over. You know what I and and this 
this lack of organization, as you know, I had to help do the setup today before we recorded. I'm a little perturbed. I never thought I would miss Louie, but I actually kind of do. I came in here and had to do everything myself this morning, my share of it myself. Not happy about that. I need to talk to someone about a raise. <laughs> well, <laughs> a raise. Okay, well then. <laughs> well then, um, it's been nice having you join us for the past 30-some episodes. Um, all the best to you. All the best later. to you in your future endeavors. <laughs> Maybe I'll start my own podcast with Don Cherry since we're both going to be unemployed. It would be nice after everything to find a way to have him on. That would be that would be fun. Oh, I'd love it. Anyway, all right. Well, before we get to what we're looking forward to uh, in the coming week, I do want to mention um, at least um, an issue that I have um, in the Colorado Vancouver game uh, with what happened to Matt Calvert. Uh, first of all, I do want to say um, well wishes and hope Calvert uh, heals quickly and is. Um, responsive and doing okay um, following that. Yeah. Um, I think it seemed to be fine, but uh, yeah, that's that's just too dangerous to, to brush off. So it'll probably take a while to make sure he's doing okay. And I do, before anything, I do want to preface um, and applaud the Vancouver Canucks and how they handled that whole thing. Very classy. Um, very respectful, very classy. Um, Elias mm-hmm. Pedersen, the one who took the shot that hit Calvert, um, immediately pulls up, uh, um, calling for help. Um, yeah, if you, listen, if you didn't see it, and it, if it, you didn't it, see it, go watch it first of all. It, but the point, but he pulls up, um, and he calls for help, probably himself expecting the call to be to, for the play to be blown dead, right. based on how he how he responded. Uh, respect there. Um, Cal, uh, Vancouver scored as a result of that whole thing. Right. Um, respect to the Canucks for not celebrating. Yeah. Um, for Very understanding well the situation and having some class to it. But listen, um, any, any listeners who did not see it, didn't watch the game, didn't see the play on the highlights or anything, Matt Calvert was down. He was in a vulnerable position. Pedersen, through no fault of his own, threw a shot on net. It hit Matt Calvert in the side of the head. Uh, Significant-looking injury. He was leaking on the ice and was taken off then uh, after after the play was whistled dead. Uh and but and what what you're saying about the Canucks is absolutely true. But that's what happened. It was an inadvertent uh, situation. Oh yeah, no, no, nobody's nobody's to blame. Just it's not caught a, a shot in the side. Of not the head. a dirty play or anything. Not, if you haven't seen it, least. it was a shot and shot to the head um, with the puck, not anything else. But um, the issue comes in where um, the play probably should have been stopped. Now that is a a league issue. Correct. Not an official issue. Not at all. Now, you can debate whether or not the officials, um, through, discretion and, through discretion and and all that stuff, should have maybe blown it dead. Um, there's a s- safety issue here. He's not just down, but he's in the middle of the play. Any number of things could, could cause bodies or a puck to come right back at him again. He's in the middle of the play. Um, he's bleeding. He's unable to stand on his own power. Um, we can be nitpicky as to the argument of whether or not players in that position are or might milk the situation, but the point is um, it is very clear watching on television, let alone being in a, being somebody on the ice, that he is bleeding and can't get off on his own power. So whether it's... So the league needs to fix 
that th- needs this to be issue. Addressed. It needs yep. to be addressed because you put all these things in place for player safety, and something like that happens, and the play does not stop. Well, and if, and think about think about it too from the from the official standpoint. You got two veteran officials there. I think uh, who was that? Dean Morton was working that game, uh, senior guy, and you put the put official now in a situation where he has to say, "I'm going to blow the play dead," and I may have cost Vancouver Canucks a point, which would put them out of the playoffs maybe at the end of the year because as it is, they tied the game, got to overtime, and got the loser point, but. Either you put a, a position, you're put in a position to cost them a, a possible point, cost them the goal, or you're put in a position where Matt Calvert is in real dire jeopardy uh, on the ice and you let the play go on. So it's a really difficult spot to put your officials in. Well, it is, and that's why it's a league issue. But it's right. a but it's a league issue also because isn't because that's the burden that you've you've created for yourself. You and I believe me. I think all of us as human beings can can understand the need for player safety yep. and for ensuring that the that these players do not basically end their their ability to have a a long term healthy life for for something as simple as playing a game. Well. So player safety I think is important, but the the issue that you've created now is because of the emphasis on player safety. Now, now the optics of it don't look good if you don't, if you don't call blow the play dead. Right. It's a it's a it's a, a departure from, you know, you get a tap on the gloves and you get two minutes because a couple of guys got broken fingers and and had a couple of little problems like that. But so, make kind of make up your mind as you and I talked uh, prior to the show. You got to make up your mind, and this is one where if you feel like somebody is in jeopardy like this, if a guy gets hit into the into the end boards for example and they think there might be an injury everything's dead this should be the same way i did like the comment um nathan mckinnon made afterwards though where he said i wonder what would have what would have happened if this were lebron james and he went down and <laughs> and you know would they have blown the play dead then I saw because it's a valid point. If if this is basketball and it's LeBron James, the play's dead. He's getting carted off for cramps. Right. If this is, if you know, and, and things like that. Uh, so the, I yeah, it's a it's something that look. It's frustrating right now. But the league at the next board of governors or at you know when the when they can get player safety on this and get a vote taken. This is a. a an issue that needs to be addressed or everybody needs to understand that no we're not going to change it live with it this is the way this is but be clear about it because mm-hmm. there there seems to be uh, a, a pretty broad range of player safety perspectives well the league has those issues with not only safety but a lot of things it's like difficult. like, like yeah. last like last year with the the hand pass thing and the playoffs oh, gosh but the what i mean is the league has these issues where then these you know they flip flop in the hypocrisy of things, but then they come out and they issue an apology as if that's what fixes it. Well, it's yeah, you know that what was... I mean. It's it's like they backtrack, and so they've got some issues that need to be cleared up. Now, is it fair to say? Is it would it be fair to give the discretion to the officials, or is that too much of a burden for the officials with everything else? It's probably there needs to certainly be a, a, a clear guideline, which they probably have now. Maybe that guideline needs to be adjusted. But 
the officials are on the ice. They're only a few feet away. They know the guys. They know what's happened. They, an official can tell you in real time who tipped a shot. So they're, they are so good at what they do, they will know. And they know a guy like Matt Calvert is not going to milk, uh, milk the situation to try to get a, a penalty or a stop. So it, the officials are the best ones to make the call. However, they need to know how the players, the, the Players Association and the league and player safety department want this called. And then they'll execute it. You give them the right tools to do the job, they'll get it done. Yeah. But for me, for me, for me, and this is the last I'll say about it. But for me, the it's what looks bad. As an Avalanche fan, I worry about Calvert. That looks bad. But from an objective standpoint, what looks bad is the optics of it. You know, I mean, I yeah. it, it just it does. The guy, the guy's down on the ice, basically motionless, other than you know, and Calvert's a guy who won't milk it because he tried to stand up yesterday, right? Or or he when did, it happened during the game, and so. It, the optics of it, of a guy doing that and the play not being stopped. And then right. the goal goes in, McKinnon visibly slamming the puck against the boards, visibly belligerent and upset, and the the official giving the hand gesture of stop. Yeah. Well. It, it just, it look and this, believe me, I am a, I'm an advocate for officials. You know that. Yep. But it just, the optics of it, because of the le- the issues that the league has created, a lot of emotion. Look bad yeah. is all is all I'm saying. There was an event uh, many 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 years ago. I I, I want to say late '80s, early '90s, probably early '90s, uh, involving a guy named Trent Cleary from uh, Montreal. Young young guy just getting his career started, and similar situation. Only the shot hit him in the Adam's apple, and play was immediately blown dead. Um, he was in he was in real jeopardy uh fortunately was okay i don't think he ever regained the ability to to speak normally totally but uh at any rate these things happen i think it's it's going to be best if if they do no more than say guys if you see somebody that looks like they might be hurt seriously blow it dead maybe that's all that needs to be said yeah but But, it's it's a different situation um it's unlike uh, the situation uh, a week or so ago with Evander Kane, who took a, a slash, went down, didn't get up. When he did, he limped. Off, he limped off on on one leg, and only missed one shift after drawing a penalty and doing all that stuff. See, that's the difference of it. Is is the point I'm trying to make? There's a, there's guys who will milk it like that, and then there's the Matt Calverts who are in a serious situation. Yeah. So it's Matt Calvert's t- he's tough as a prison riot. He's not going to do that. However, and that's that's why I that think said, in some capacity there needs to be the guideline that allows the discretion a little bit of you're on the ice, you're seeing it, have the discretion to make the call of okay, is is it a serious situation or is this guy trying to with 2 minutes left is he trying to draw uh, some sort of penalty? Right. Let the guys make the call on the ice. Uh, they'll get it right. And they'll keep the guys safe. That and that's what they—that's the primary job. But understand too that whether it's in the face-off circle, or it's that little slap penalty to the to the hands, or a hook where guys will will chicken wing your stick under their arm to draw a hooking call, uh, or or see the or they catch a 
a stray stick in the chest and they throw their head back to draw a high sticking penalty, they game the system. They will figure out how to cheat the rules yep. no matter what you do. So it, you just got to be careful that somebody doesn't flop around on the ice someday based on this. Get the play blown dead when, some, when the other team's got a three-on-one and then get up and skate off mm-hmm. or come out for the next shift. That's, that's, the, that's the downside risk, and that's something they'll have to watch. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, now you know where I stand with the whole Calvert thing. So uh, what are we looking forward to this coming week? To, to quickly close things out. Well, we've got uh, this this past week was Hall of Fame week. Uh, another year goes by and, and uh, justice is still not served in the Curtis Joseph <laughs> situation. But um, so that's behind us now. Uh, what else are we? Um, we've got we, we're hoping to get Greg Wilson on in the next week or two. And uh, we've got a discussion coming up about um, kind of just the intangibles of the game. Work ethic, chemistry, uh, camaraderie, things like that. All you know, all of that tying into our uh, beer and hockey relationship theme. Perfect. Well, I look forward to it. Um, anyways, thank you all for tuning in, uh, listeners. Of driving force behind what we do, we can't thank you enough for the support and for uh, your con- continued weekly um, tune-ins and and providing your ears. We appreciate it. Um, head to Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, uh, at Warham the Hockey Podcast, Warham the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Uh, give us a like and a follow. Head to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe. Leave a, a rating, preferably a five-star rating and a review. Um, share with uh, family and friends. And uh, come back next week. Tune in next week for episode 36 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. I am Evan Rauer, and I will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Thank you.